0: I came across a church sign. You know the church signs. Some of them are better than others. Some of them make all sorts of different strange claims that you don't necessarily understand. Some of them just advertise a worship service for Sunday morning. But this one was posted sometime around Mother's Day, it must have been. And you'll see why in a second. The church sign said, God couldn't be everywhere. That's why he invented mothers. Now, <laughs> we got to pick this apart for a second here. Let's be very clear. God can and is everywhere, okay? They made a little bit of a stretch on that one for the sake of the sign. But the further point, that mothers are an extension of God's love, I think is a good one for us to consider. And more broadly to the point, God does send other people into our life in order to be a conduit of God's love. We know God's love through, oftentimes, the actions and the words of other people. Mothers, yes, but other people as well. And so that's what I'd like to speak with you about a little bit this morning, is the importance of our connections to one another and the ways that we make God's love known to each other through our words and our actions. We will be looking at John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, and I've titled this sermon, We Need Each Other. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Send your living word to walk amongst us now, to challenge our assumptions to set our hearts ablaze, and to make us whole again. Amen. Open those Bibles, friends, to John chapter 12, verse 1 through 8. As you get your, find your way there, we are in the fifth Sunday of Lent, and so that means that we are slowly drawing to a close of this Lenten journey. And as we'll see in the reading today, Jesus is getting very close to entering Jerusalem. Next Sunday, we're going to have Palm Sunday, when we remember Jesus triumphantly entering the city. But what we have this morning is an event that takes place not too long before that. So here we are, John chapter 12. And if you would, please rise as you are able. We stand in reverence for the gospel that is being read. We stand in respect for these words that have inspired and comforted generations throughout the world for centuries upon centuries. This is from John chapter 12. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. And there they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of this perfume. But Judas Iscariot, Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, he said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and he kept the common purse and he used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Friends, this is the good news. It's the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. So I want to begin by focusing on those words from Judas. This morning, Judas has a very interesting reaction to the entire events that he sees playing out before his eyes. He watches as Mary takes this incredibly expensive perfume and dumps it on Jesus' feet. And, and, and Judas's reaction is to yell at Mary. Says to Mary, Mary, this is impractical. This is illogical. This is absurd. Why would you do such a thing? You have wasted this costly perfume, and yeah, I could have taken some of the money that you sold it for. You see, Judas's reaction is all based on his own wants and needs in this moment. He's being selfish. He's being self-centered. He's really only thinking about himself. But he hides it in this fake compassion for the poor. But what I want to think about is, is the specific ways that he attacks Mary's action. He says to her "Right, that this is impractical and that it's illogical and that it's absurd. And and the reason I want to focus on Judas acting in this way, pointing out the impracticality of what Mary has done is because I believe that we have a lot of Judas-like messages in our world today. Think about it, think about it. How many people have maybe said to you, "You're, you're a Christian? You're you're a Christian, but but that doesn't make any sense. How can you believe in a God that you cannot see? That's just illogical. Or or someone says, says, wait, you go to church on Sunday morning? You you only get two days off on the weekend. You go to church on Sunday morning for a couple of hours? That's illogical. That doesn't make any sense. That's totally wasteful of the little time you have. Or how about this one? People will say, how can you care for, for people like that? Why are you concerned about the refugees and the immigrants who are trying to come into this country? Aren't you worried that they'll take our jobs? As I think specifically about that crisis at the border and all the messages we're hearing, I can't help but hear Judas' voice in the midst of it all. It just doesn't make any sense. It's not practical. It's not logical to welcome these people into our country. Our country's too full. Let me tell you, it's, it's not full. Have you seen Wyoming lately? Okay. <laughs> but more to the point, acts of love, acts of kindness, acts of mercy and generosity are so often seen as impractical or illogical. But they're only seen that way because we are taught to only care about ourselves. Judas only cared about the way he could benefit And so in turn, Mary's actions made no sense to him. But Judas has a problem. And some of those problems still exist today because we get so concerned about the ways that we show love. People are trying to show love by coming to church or show love for other people who are in need. And it just doesn't make any sense amidst the wider message that we get from so many other sources. Let me explain this a little bit. Just think about how focused our society is on the individual. I got my iPhone, don't you? Who's got an iPhone, right? I, I, I? Oh, 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 and do you use your iPhone? Do you use it, Terry, to take some selfies? <laughs> think about these social media profiles that we curate and care for. Isn't it nothing more than just a shrine to yourself? Hey, here are some of the best pictures of me. Here are all the books that I want you to know that I read that I say are my favorites. Here are my TV shows that I watch that I think you'll find very impressive. Let me share this article that I have read that I understand and want to portray to you what is going on in the world. It's so focused on the individual that any act of love seems illogical. But the truth is, we need each other. We need each other. We cannot exist only in our own sphere by ourselves. That way we'll always leave to death in the end. We cannot simply be by ourselves alone. We cannot just try to live this entire life without the help or generosity or love of another. And I think Jesus knows this clearly. And what I love about our reading for this morning is that it gives us a very interesting picture and a very different angle from Jesus. Yes, of course, Jesus tells us to love one another. But what we see in the reading today is that Jesus also is willing to rely on the love of another in order to go through with his mission. We don't really get this picture at many other points in all of the Gospels, but here today we see Jesus allowing Mary to anoint his feet. He allows for this incredible act of extravagant love to take place in his midst. And I believe that he did that because he actually needed it. Jesus needed some love to rely on at that moment. You see, there's a particular point in this gospel passage that really changes the entire way that we read and interpret it. You, you might have missed it. You probably did. I know I did my first several times through. But the reading today, John 12, verse 1, says this very clearly. Six days before the Passover. Now that is an important marker of time for us. Six days before the Passover. Now keep in mind, at the Passover is when Jesus will have his last supper with his disciples. After that Passover meal, Jesus will be betrayed in the garden and handed over to Pilate for trial. So this says six days before the Passover, but it could just as easily say six days before Jesus was betrayed. Six days before the entire Jesus narrative reaches its climax and pinnacle, its turning point scene. And so when we put that context into mind, think of what Jesus must have been going through sitting at that dinner that night. We'll see later that when he's in the garden after his Passover meal, he's asking for God to change plans. Take this cup from me, Lord. I don't want to die. Yet not my will, but your will. Jesus was deeply troubled by what he was going to have to do. And I think that at this meal, six days prior to it, he was probably already thinking in that way. He knew what the next week was going to come for him. He knew what was going to happen to him in the week ahead. And I bet he needed a little courage and inspiration and encouragement at that moment. And so along comes Mary. And in an act of incredible extravagance and love, she anoints his feet with costly perfume, dries it with her hair. And I believe that Jesus was inspired in this moment. He'd been spending all his ministry telling us to love one another, and yet Jesus also knew enough and was humble enough to receive love from another in order to go through with what laid ahead. And now if you don't believe me, if you think, Pastor, I don't know, that doesn't really sound like Jesus. Could he really be inspired by Mary? I'd like to point out that one chapter later in your Bibles, six days later if you're keeping track of time, Six days after Jesus had his feet washed by Mary, Jesus gets down and washes the feet of his disciples after the Passover meal. He pulled courage and inspiration from this woman and her actions. And in so doing, he is reminding us that it's okay to rely on the love and care of another. He's reminding us that we can't do this life alone. We need each other We need the love of another to pull us through, to inspire and encourage us when things get tough, to do the things that God calls us to do. We're going to have to rely on the love of one another to get it done. As I've been saying all along, church, we can't do it alone. No man is an island. And even Jesus draws courage and inspiration from the actions of Mary that day. But I want to tell you a little bit about my life. Because I think oftentimes we don't recognize how much we've relied on the love of another until we're looking back at it from a mile away. So it was on July 30th, 2011, that I was ordained as a pastor in the Lutheran Church in America. And now an ordination is this big celebration, right? And it's a big, fancy church service, as you know they know how to do. And so there I was on July 30th, 2011, big, fancy church service. And the way that it works at an ordination is that the person who's going to be ordained, in this case myself, I don't get to be a part of all the clergy yet. I'm not a pastor. So I just had to sit in the front row with my family. And the way that it works is you invite people from far and wide to come and be a part of it and the pastors all dress up in their fancy robes with their stoles, and they march down that center aisle during the opening hymn. If any of you were at Bishop Davenport's installation this past, what was that, September, you, you saw something on a much grander scale. There were clergy for days walking down the aisle. <laughs> I didn't have that many, rightfully so. But there were about 30 clergy people who came out for my ordination, along with many others as well. But what was incredible for me sitting there in that front row, I'm thinking about all the work that went into getting to that point. Because it's eight years of school to become a pastor. You gotta do your undergrad, you gotta get a master's degree. It's a long haul to get to that point. And so I'm thinking about all that, (laughs) just all the work that went into that day. But then I'm also thinking about all the people who supported me and cared for me in this process, who helped to bring me to that moment. And, And then they started walking down the aisle I had so many pastors who were mentors in my life. I even had a a, a group of friends who I met when I worked at a summer camp who went on to become pastors, and they were there that day too. And so I had this real visceral experience of what they talk about in Hebrews 12, that great cloud of witnesses. And that great cloud of witnesses walked down the center aisle that morning. As I stood there prepared to become a pastor of this church. And it was completely overwhelming. As I saw Tim, who who was a mentor of mine and who loved me enough to sit with me and have coffee every Friday to talk through my theological questions. And I saw my friends Scott and Sean, who, who were friends from summer camp. And at 15, we all sat together late at night and talked about maybe we wanted to be a pastor. And then there they were walking in as I was becoming a pastor of the church, something they had just become months before. And I saw my friend Steve, who had been such an inspiration and had been such a big part of my life in encouraging me along this path and reminding me again and again that God was calling me to do this work. And then I saw Gary, who was my pastor when I was a kid, who had come all the way from Ohio just to be there that day to continue to encourage me along the way. And I was completely overwhelmed by the way that the love of other people had brought me to that moment. And I'm guessing if you look back at your life as well, you'll notice all the people who have loved you enough to bring you to this moment. We're going to have a baptism in a couple of minutes, and that's going to be this strong minded there's going to be a cloud of witnesses, Ian, all around you. These are people who love you so much that they came out this morning in order to help start you on your way here. And they're going to be with you through all that is to come. And you're going to graduate from high school someday. And you're going to look back and realize all of this love that carried you through to get you to that moment. And again, I'm guessing each person in this room has a story about the way that love of another carried you into the future. Church, love has the power to lead us to places and actions we can never even imagine. And in the same vein when we show just even small acts of love to people, that can have an impact that sometimes we can barely imagine. Who knows how your small act of kindness today might change the course of someone else's life forever. And so church, we need to know the love of God in our lives. We need to know that we are loved beyond measure and we need to know that the love of God comes to us oftentimes through the words and actions of others. And Just like Jesus, we need to be humble enough and secure enough to admit that sometimes we need the love of another person to encourage us on, to move us forward, to inspire us for the future. We can't do this alone. We need one another. And so that's why we say here at Reformation, let us know the love of God and show the love of God to each other each and every day. Amen. Amen.